I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 19, Children. Hi everyone, I'm Andrea Hope, and I am a Baha'i mom and a poet, among many other things, and this is my podcast, To Mother, where I share my tips and resources about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So I share some quotes that I like from the Baha'i writings, some practical tips and resources, and oftentimes my poetry. And today, again, I have with me my co-host, Mallory, Mallory Quigg, and we're going to be talking about children. Yeah, and this is the 19th episode. I was thinking how that's a special number and how many Baha'is, like if we did a survey, like a statistical survey, have the number 19 in one of their like login or email addresses. (laughs) for something oh I'm pretty sure that almost every password we have in our house or computer has a 19 in it yeah okay I don't know if you should give that much (laughs) (laughs) you can't get in with just 19 alone okay but yeah so episode 19 and we're talking about children and um if you've listened before then you know that Mallory and I our children are uh young so we have toddlers and she's pregnant and I have a seven month old but we have both um, done the Ruhi book about teaching children's classes and taught children's classes. So we'll talk a bit more about children's classes, but now Mallory has chosen a quote about children that is mentioned in Ruhi book three. All right, so this is from Abdul Baha. As to thy question regarding the education of children, it behooveth thee to nurture them at the breast of the love of God and urge them onward to the things of the spirit, that they may turn their faces onto God, that their ways may conform to the rules of good conduct and their character be second to none, that they make their own all the graces and praiseworthy qualities of humankind, acquire a sound knowledge of the various branches of learning, so that from the very beginning of life, they may become spiritual beings, dwellers in the kingdom, enamored of the sweet breaths of holiness, and may receive an education, religious, spiritual, and of the heavenly realm. Verily, I will call upon God to grant them a happy outcome in this. So if you don't know, we try to read quotes from the central figures twice, so I will read this again. As to thy question regarding the education of children, it behooveth thee to nurture them at the breast of the love of God and urge them onward to the things of the spirit, that they may turn their faces unto God, that their ways may conform to the rules of good conduct and their character be second to none, that they make their own all the graces and praiseworthy qualities of humankind, that they acquire a sound knowledge of the various branches of learning, so that from the very beginning of life they may become spiritual beings, dwellers in the kingdom, enamored of the sweet breaths of holiness, and may receive an education religious, spiritual, and of the heavenly realm. Verily will I call upon God to grant them a happy outcome in this. So something that really stuck out to me with this quote was this idea to nurture them at the breast of the love of God and to urge them onward to the things of the spirit. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this concept of urging them onward because it could be something that you think, well, if I'm trying to uphold the principles of the faith 
and I'm bringing that energy and that love for God into my environment, do I have to specifically direct my child towards, you know, urging them? And I feel like this quote is encouraging us to be very mindful about how we're helping our children to be spiritual beings. And even though we know that everyone is created noble, I mean, you know, your son especially. (laughs) Um, But uh, even though we know that, that it's not going to make it automatically that our children are just going to make their best decisions or going to, but that they really need this guidance. What do you think about this concept? Yeah. So this quote from the children's class book, the first part, like the introduction part, it says, why do you teach children? What results do you want to achieve to begin your consideration of these questions? Read and meditate on this quote and the quote we read. And so why do we teach children? What, was, what results do we want? So it, it's just kind of like telling us how important it is uh, that we as adults are guiding our children. And I think I'm about to mix two different quotes from the writings and that's okay. <laughs> but there, there were these two different quotes from the writings that have stuck with me so much in terms of educating children. Um, one is that, the future success of our children. I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, actually, that the future success of our children depends upon how we, specifically as mothers, have taught our children in these young years, right? Infancy, Mm -hmm. uh, toddlerhood, childhood, and onward, but definitely those young, like foundational years of their life. The future success of our children depends on how we've used this time to teach them the, the things of their spirit and their love for God and, and concepts like that. And then also this other quote um, that says, how children grow up and contribute to the world has a, a lot to do with either what we have done or have failed to do as a society to nurture them. And I just think, wow, you know, like you said in the beginning, um, that there, there are some people where it's like, yeah, like I'm just gonna, we're gonna be good people and I'm gonna hope for the best for my child. And to me, when I read these writings, I know that that for me isn't, isn't gonna do it. It's not, gonna, it's not enough for, for my children. I have to be very um, intentional and I have to be very purposeful in my nurturing of my children. But then like Abdul Baha says, not just my children, all children, the children in my neighborhood, we're responsible for children of this whole world, then those are our children too. Um, And you think about, well, who is noble, my my son, who is noble going to be hanging out with? I care about those children. I want them to develop spiritually, just like I want him to. Because, um, yeah, I think so often, I'm, I'm so concerned with noble, and then I send him out into the world. And he's picking up everything. He's learning everything from other kids. And how beautiful would it be that they're all learning really similar things together um, Mm. about these beautiful virtues. What do you think about this balance between encouraging your child or, um, you know, kind of (laughs) the onward push towards their spiritual side and individual freedom in terms of maybe they don't want to pray they think something is boring they don't want to go to this class so how do you see this balance of encouraging them but also being mindful that 
each one of us has a personal relationship with God? Wow, that's a really important question. And I would love to hear your thoughts after (laughs) I share mine. (laughs) I just think about enthusiasm, that virtue of enthusiasm. Mm. And so I think about what does like noble like to do right now? And then how do I use that to infuse these spiritual practices or concepts within them? Much of the time from my observation, that enthusiasm can go down when they are forced to do things that are more adult-like, you know, sit still, be quiet. So of course we need to teach our children reverence in terms of prayer and um, other spiritual practices if they go to feast and, and things like that. But I think also being really mindful of what the children are enthusiastic about and using that to help them with their spiritual development. So one example is with Noble, he loves to pretend with his stuffed animals. So we have devotionals with his stuffed animals. You may have seen it on Facebook. My husband posted this adorable video. We have devotionals with my daughter and my son and my and our stuffed animals because of your picture on Facebook. (laughs) That's really sweet. Yeah, and I I think I've seen this. And again, I'm, I would love to hear your thoughts too. But in my children's class, this five year old girl who were in her house having our children's class, she's surrounded by her toys. It's a small apartment. So she'll bring over a Barbie doll in the middle of the lesson. And Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, saying, Hey, go put that back. You know, this, we need to take this seriously. We need to sit down. We need to do X, Y, and Z. I say, can your Barbie join us? Can she sit down next to you? And can she listen? Mm. Um, I think that's where showing enthusiasm with the child is very important. And also just having conversations, you know, in, in teaching, we just, as teachers want to keep going like, oh, we can't break the lesson. We can't stop. We have a flow. Let's get through it. If we stop, then we're going to lose them all. And my perspective, my, um, my experience has been that it's been a lot better for our children's class to stop and have these conversations. And if people are getting distracted by toys that are coming in, we just stop and have a conversation about it and, and, and a loving conversation because then that way no child feels uh, that they were rejected, you know, or that mm. they were dismissed or that they're, they're not good in this class. So I think that those are things that really can hurt a child's love for the activities, for prayer, for God, when we feel like what they're doing isn't good enough. Hmm. So yeah, what, do, what do you think? What's your experience with it? Yeah, that was great to hear because it's something I've definitely used in working with children, but hadn't specifically applied it to this. Like, what are their interests? What things can we incorporate? I was thinking in terms of keeping schedules. Like, I think sometimes as teachers or as parents, we struggle to be consistent with things. And that is Mm -hmm. why children can also struggle. And this is something that I work on as well. But if your whole motivation in doing something is whether or not the children are excited to do it or want to do it or participating and then if they're not then you're not going to do it that can be something that really um, is discouraging for you and for them for instance with the devotional if my 
children are not in the mood, I would never feel comfortable to tell them, okay, you have to come and sit. I would just say, okay, well, mommy's going to do devotional like I do every morning, you know, and you're welcome to join me anytime you would like. Anytime you're ready, you're welcome to join us. Like, this is something I've said to kids <laughs> often for them to see that this is something that's important to me or that I find helpful, regardless of whether they're participating, as opposed to something that's very forced, like, oh, you have to sit down and do this. Um, for me, then it loses the spirit of it. Well, you don't really have to sit down and pray. You should sit down and pray because you like to or because you see value in it. And so I think that's part of yeah. also the conversation. Instead of as a parent being like, oh my gosh, my child doesn't want to pray. and Or as a teacher, like, what am I going to do? What have I done wrong? Like, first I would question that. Oh, well, why don't you want to? Oh, because it's boring. Okay, well, what makes it boring? Is there some other way that you'd like to do it that might be more interesting? Could we like mm -hmm. candles? Could we set up, a, you know, an area or something? But just not to assume why they don't want to do it, but to ask. And then to yeah. also give my reasons. Well, mommy likes to pray because it really calms her down or it really prepares her for her day. And I feel, I feel like that's so true. You know, it really prepares mm -hmm. me for my day when I sit down in prayer, when I think about the word of God. And so, yeah, if I'm invested in it, regardless of how a child is feeling, I think that that says a lot. And that was kind of my <laughs> living the life tip for this week. I would be interested to hear what you think about it because you did talk about like stopping and having conversations but in terms of scheduling my tip was start with the schedule but flexible with the lesson so I found that if they know what the schedule is that's very comforting for them so that if they do get sidetracked then they know they have something to look forward to and one of the classes I was in they would even cross it off each time okay wow. we've done this or if a child gets anxious uh, they said oh you know we just have two more parts and then we're going to go outside and do games even asking the question so everyone what's next and kids would enthusiastically oh it's time for us to do this and so I think being set with the schedule is really helpful for kids they do like structure but then being flexible with the lessons just because this is the part about memorizing a quote or this is the storytelling part doesn't mean I wouldn't use aspects of coloring or props or different mm -hmm. kind of things in different areas. And I think a lot of teachers do this, but I think it's just a good reminder that, you know, you don't have to go by the book in that sense. Yeah. You know, I think that um, in terms of, of the children's class, that is so almost effortless in terms of behaviors and the schedule is that we're, we're learning virtues. And so if there's something that comes up that is a difficult behavior, for example, that you don't even have to really deviate that much from the lesson, you draw it back to what is the virtue and how do we show that in this moment? You know, like math, for example, I use, um, you know, finding the area of a room in a very particular situation. I don't need it at all times in my life. However, truthfulness or, um, you know, love for other people, I can show that anywhere, anytime, every day. And if that's not being shown in that moment in the children's class through a, you know, difficult behavior, then you don't even have to stop the lesson per se. It's just, let's talk about how we can show each other this virtue we're talking about and learning about in this lesson today. And I think that that's one really uh, amazing thing about the children's classes that are, are so different from just typical education systems. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I meant to mention in terms of these being creative with the different aspects of the lessons, there are actually several websites. I probably won't be able to name <laughs> all of them that are out there, but I've come across several websites to supplement the children's classes. So some of those are like Mind Rich and Gems, mm-hmm. Enable Me to Grow, uh, Delighted Heart, Hasten Baha'i Women. And so mm-hmm. these are some of the ones that I know. Do you know any other ones? I am very much thinking about the Supporting the Core Activities website, mm-hmm. and they have a curriculum that she's created, and it goes over different virtues. We we do a lot of those uh, lessons for Noble's virtues, and she has on this website, Supporting the Core Activities, amazing songs. When we talk about enthusiasm, that's what mm-hmm. he loves and shows so much enthusiasm for it, our songs that have to do with these virtues. Yeah. yeah. So I'll put those links in the show notes. And yeah, if I can find any other ones, or if you know of other websites, please email me. So my email is info at andreahope.org. And so please email me if there's any other websites, or if you have a blog or a website that you'd want to share. But even for me, honestly, sometimes what I do when I can't think of something different because I have this brain where I always want to be creating and trying different Mm. things is I will look at Christian websites and Mm. I will think, oh, like, how can I apply this to what I'm doing? How can I put the number 19 in it? (laughs) (laughs) It's all the same religion to us. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Applying it to the faith. A lot of the websites you mentioned are on Pinterest as well, but it's just really nice images and it's a a mix and a bunch of them all in one one setting. So Pinterest is really good too. Mm. Okay, great. So our resource for this episode, uh, as I mentioned, I have a directory that I created of over 125 children's books written by Baha'i authors. Most of them are specifically about Baha'i subjects or Baha'i history or something like that. But there are some that are just general, um, written by Baha'i authors, but about virtues or just uh, generally about storytelling and positive spiritual qualities. And so there's lots and lots of books that you can look through on that. It's available on my website by donation at andreahope.org slash baha'ichildren.html. So you can download that directory and look at books. Um, So I'm just going to name one of them that I know of, which is called Jungle of Virtues. Of course, virtues, I think, is a topic that we could have so many uh, podcast episodes about because it applies at all the different levels of parenting and being a child. So we've given so many resources, actually, in this episode, (laughs) different websites that you can turn to. So yeah, I hope that something from that is helpful to the parents out there. And I'm going to end this episode with one of my poems. The Greatest Good by Andrea Hope. Of all the gifts given, parent to child, no knickknacks gleam quite like a smile. The greatest and most precious good is happy memories of childhood. To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator, that's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.